we've been going through um, our missional lifestyle, and we've been following the book uh, to some extent, Surprise the World. I've got to be honest and say I've departed a little bit from what's in the book today, uh, but uh, I would recommend you get it, five pounds only for Surprise the World, available at the back, the five, missional, uh, the five habits of missional people. And we are talking very much about follow Jesus, serve others, live differently. And that's our call. And today, we're going to actually talk about the last, the S on BELLS, our acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S, which is bless, eat, learn, listen, and send. And we're talking about being sent today. And this is quite interesting, really, because this is, if you like, the bit that pulls it all together. So, what we're doing here, obviously, is that we bless others we're radically generous. We eat with others. We're radically associative. Remember how controversial Jesus was in who he associated with and who he ate with. Well, there you are. We listen to the Holy Spirit. We are radically influenced by the Holy Spirit. Who calls the shots in our lives? The Holy Spirit. And we learn all we can about Jesus. We become radical, radical followers. But this is the thing. It's not rules. Now, it's very easy to be rules. And Jesus was uh, talking about this with the Pharisees. The Pharisees loved rules. I don't know about you. Lots of people do actually like rules. Who likes rules? Yeah, you see, you see, there are people who like rules, yeah. I like there to be rules. I remember Richard once talking about the Bible, and I, it had a big impact on me because he said, what I want the Bible to be is just a big set of rules that if I follow them, I'll be fine. And, and that was a great sermon. And it's true, it's not about rules. So we can say, yes, bless three people a week, eat with three people a week, take 20 minutes and listen to God every week, take some time and read the gospel every week. But if we go round and round and round that because it's the rules, because it's the rules, it isn't going to make us a missional people. It's an external behavior without an internal motivation. And what is the motivation? And the motivation is this. It's not about what we do, it's about who we are. The issue is about identity. It's about who we are. Who we are drives what we do. And that becomes quite important. And one of the things that we get when, when the church is accused of hypocrisy, sometimes quite unfairly, it's very much around you don't do what you say. And, and it's an interesting thing. It's, well, what do you do? Well, you do what you are. That's the bottom line. It's a bit like being in a family. I don't know if you, you in your family, any kind of family, I remember when I was a kid. Okay, it, 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 one of the things that happens is that who you are comes out because you're just there far too long. And the people you're living with are frankly just too irritated irritating to be well behaved all the time. What's in there comes out. And, and actually, we are Christians for a very long time, aren't we? 
you know, potentially for a very long time. So therefore, what we are stands a very real chance of coming out. Now I accept its chances of sneaking out on a Sunday are somewhat less likely than the chances of it sneaking out on a really stressful Tuesday afternoon. But eventually it sneaks out who we are, what's going on in there. And for those of us who try to follow Jesus, we occasionally get really awkward reminders of the things that are still in there that need quite a lot of attention. Does that happen to you? Just me then, okay. Uh, But I get that. And there is the interesting thing. But actually, Jesus gives us a really helpful thing. This is a really helpful thing to enable us to understand who we are. Now, who we are is actually a big issue. It's a big question. And you can read unbelievable amounts of stuff about who we are in Jesus. And the reason for this is that human beings suffer from the biggest identity crisis on the planet and have since the beginning of time. And that's because human beings were made to be who they were and then they rejected that. So therefore, after the fall, everything that human beings try to be isn't what they were designed to be. So you can imagine rediscovering who we are is almost every layer and every facet. But this issue about scent, this issue about scent is like the overriding element of who we are in Jesus. It tells us who we are. And this is what Jesus said, and it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? He said, I am sent. Jesus said, sent by the Father. As I was sent, so I send them. So you belong to Jesus, and Jesus understands a sent identity. In fact, one of the fantastic things about studying the gospel is that you get to see what a sent person looks like. I don't know how to be a sent person. Well, look at Jesus. Jesus was a sent person. He embraced sent as an identity fully. It shaped him in all those things. He understood how he had to relate to his Father God and what identity he had to show because he was sent. He was sent to show the glory of God the Father, the fantastic, perfect plan that he had, and that the kingdom of God was coming. He came to reveal what it's like to have good relationship with the Father. He was sent. So there you are. There's the issue about being sent. However, what gets in the way? Well, I want to tell you about something that if you've been in church a lot, especially evangelical churches, you'll have heard this often. But I want to take a different line. So one of the people that we keep talking about recently because we're talking about mission and we're looking at the people who talk a lot about mission is a chap called Alan Hirsch. And he was going over this a bit. And he was talking about the evangelical church and comparing it as often happens to the ancient Israelites. So you know the Israelites, they were you know, slaves in Egypt, brought out of slavery. Okay. Now, despite what often the movies say, the Israelites had an enormous identity crisis. It took them literally hundreds of years to work out that there was just one God. 
took them hundreds of years to work it out. You're saying you're joking. No, 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 it did. They were quite happy that there was a God of Israel, but there was equally a God of Moab, and that there was, um, there was a God of the Hittites, there was a God for rivers, and a God for commerce, and a God for all sorts of things. And the God of Israel, generally speaking, good guy, but one of many. And we call this polytheism. But it was polytheistic, many gods. And that was one of the things that happened. Now, a lot of evangelical teaching, and I grew up with this, I don't know if you did when I was a kid, says you have to beware you have to be aware that something in your life doesn't become a false god. Have you heard that teaching? Something, come on, somebody must have been. I wasn't the only one who went to church when I was a kid. Here we go. Yes, so, you know, lots of things. Things that could be quite right in themselves, including church. We could get to the point where we're worshipping the building. How very dare you? I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to be associated with you because you're sitting in my seat. In my church, that's, that's idolatry, ladies and gentlemen. That's worshipping the church and not the master of the house, who is, of course, God, whose church it is, whose church you are. But there you go. People worship all sorts of things, their jobs, um, their kids, um, their looks, their health, um, their leisure. Um, I don't know. What can you worship? Money. Yeah, all sorts of things. Okay. So, We've, a lot of us who've been in church a long time, we get told us, be careful. Don't worship another thing. It should be God. You're probably very familiar. But actually, that's not how evangelical Christians across the world have actually lived in the modern age, or maybe lived beyond, which is this. It isn't one. It's lots. And we get lots of demands on us. And here is the risk. The risk isn't just one. You know, to be honest, that's a very easy thing to spot. If work takes over, it's pretty easy to spot, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If you become a bit obsessed with how you look, eventually somebody, usually a close relative, will point it out. You might reject it, but they'll point it out. One thing is easy to spot, isn't it? But the reality is not that. It's when I'm here, this is really important and Jesus is the focus. But when I get to work, I've got the boss on my back and colleagues in my ears and customers right in front of me. And actually, that becomes the most important. Now, don't bear with me here. I'm not doing this to sound in any way judgmental or equally to criticize that we should focus, just to get a concept here. And then when I'm with the lads playing football or uh, out, you know, out with the girls, or I, I have no concept of what that actually is like, by the way. I can only, I can, I can only speculate, but um, it sounds pretty scary to me. Um, um, and, uh, but, you know, that becomes the thing. And, and when I'm in a position where everybody is going in this direction, and even though I know I should be in this direction, I get pulled in that direction. What happens is we, we have a passing relationship, which is what the ancient Israelites had. When I'm going through a river, I pray to the river God. When I get over the river, I forget the river God. You know what I mean? When I'm about to do business, I pray to the God of commerce. When the deal is good, 
I move on. If it's bad, I curse them and still move on. But you know what I mean? There you are. And actually, that kind of multi-God living is modern life. And it isn't that often that Christians have one competing God in their lives, but actually several of which following Jesus is but one. Do you follow me? I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying. So the problem isn't idolatry in that sense. It, it's, it's, a, it's like polytheism. And therefore, just to say, the problem therefore isn't an issue in reality about idolatry. It's an issue of identity. It's an issue of identity. It's about why am I here? What am I for? What, wh- wh- where do I belong? Who am I? That's identity, isn't it? And that is the challenge for so many people. Because Jesus says this. says, it's, it's important that we understand who we're from and that we're being sent. And sent is the key thing here. Because the issue is, what is my identity? And my identity is this. I have been sent. Do you follow me? I have been sent. I have been sent to be salt and light wherever I am. So let's, let's unpack that for a second. Why am I here now? I have been sent here. I am sent here to be salt and light to all the people that I meet. Why am I in my job? Is it to make a living? Is it to earn enough to provide? No. That's not why a Christian is in their job. A Christian is in their job because they have been sent to their workplace to be salt and light. Now, you are not going to be salt and light if you are not diligent, have integrity, do your job properly, respect those that you work for, are nice to your customers, do what you say you will do. You're not going to be salt and light if you don't do those things. Hey, bit of income, there's a bonus. But why are you there? To be salt and light. Why am I living in my house? Is it so that I can create a comfortable environment for myself and those that I live with? No. You're in your house to be salt and light to the people that you live with and the people that live around you. That's why you're in your house. Why am I in my house? Same reason. Do I do that always? Don't ask me that question. But that is why I'm there. I'm there. Now, this is not a task. The reason that I'm sent to my house is because I'm sent. That's my identity, not my task. Are you following that? It's my identity, not my task. Why am I in this shop right now? Is it to buy whatever product? No. I will get a product while I happen to be here, but I am sent here to be salt and light. Why am I walking down the street? Well, I have this range of errands. Okay, I'll do these errands while I am being salt and light. Are you following me with this? I know this doesn't sound really complicated, and that's because it isn't. 
It isn't about what we do, it's about how we see ourselves. And we are a sent people. And salt and light is what we do, which is exciting. So there you go. Salt and light is very easy. I just want to talk about um, a couple of things though. Because salt and light in that sense means that we are sent wherever we go. And we're called to be salt and light there. From work, I'm sent to be salt and light. House, sent and light. I am sent to be salt and light to my children. I am sent to be salt and light to my friends. I am sent to be salt and light to my wife or my husband, to my parents. I am sent to be salt and light. That's why I'm there. I'm sent to my car to be salt and light. And I need to be salt and light in my car. Yes, Timothy, you need to be salt and light in your car, even when people drive in a very unsalty, lighty sort of way. (laughs) You are still obliged to be salt and light in your car. That is correct. I am sent to the gym to be salt and light. You might produce slightly more salt than you do light, but you are in the gym to be salt and light. Are you following me with all of this? This is how it is. So yes, that's good. So here are some identity things that we talk about that are all true. I am a child of the Father. Let's talk about that one because it's a relevant one and we're going to do some work on that in this church. I'm a child of the Father. Yes, you are. You're a child of the Father who's been sent to be salt and light for Jesus. I'm a brother with Jesus, yes, and like Jesus, you're in his family, you've been sent to be salt and light. Whatever you want to call it. I am a princess of the kingdom of heaven. Yes, you are. And in a very diva sort of way, you're being sent to be salt and light for Jesus. That's how it works. So that's it. This is the aspect of our, we have to, embrace our identity as saint. But more than that, the more we embrace our identity as saint, the less likely it is that we will build false gods in our lives. So it's a good defense. It's a good protection. However, having said that, I just want you to know that there's more than one saint. There are, in fact, two saints. And uh, what I'd like to do is talk about my two saints worth. Because, you see, so far, we've only talked about the big scent. This is the big scent. And I know, and it is true, that it's much easier to follow the big scent than it is to what? I know, it's, they're bad puns, but just so you remember, there's a big scent, but there's a small scent. Here's the small scent, we've been talking about it. So there you are, doing nothing in particular, or doing something really special, just like the disciples were, and Jesus comes up and says, why don't you do this, or go here, or go there. Now, what did Matthew do when he was in the middle of his work? And Jesus said, follow me. He left it and went. And what did Philip do when he was in the middle of evangelizing, for goodness sake, and he got told to get off. Off he went. He went. It was these sort of small sins. Now, what I want you to know is that Satan hates you doing this. And it is a spiritual battle. And he's been at this a long time. And he has worked out a way now to stop Christians ever doing this. And it's this. 
I can't cancel anything. I can never cancel anything. That's perfect for Satan because then all he has to do is fill up our diaries and the Holy Spirit can say whatever he likes and we'll say to him, I can't, I can't, can't, can't do that. And that's a challenge in the modern age that we are stuck. Now, there are other challenges. We go, we haven't heard God properly. No, he can't mean that I do that. He can't possibly mean I do that. He can't do. And there's those little things that go in, wait a minute, wait a minute. This dodgy Scottish preacher is saying that what he thinks is more important than what I've got in my diary. I'm not saying that at all. We have to use discernment. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. But it's a battle. And the battle is not just that we don't behave as saint people in the big things, but that we become unsendable in anything little because we're all tied up. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's a challenge. Here's the thing. You have something going on in your life. I have something going on in my life. And God says, I want you to drop that and do this. And I go, oh, no, I can't. I, I do this, by the way. I go, I can't because this and this and this and this. Okay, here's the thing. Can God cover my back? Can God cover my back? Can he sort that out if I leave something? Can he do that? No, he can't. Don't be silly. Of course he can't. I'm far too important for God to be able to do that. He can't cover my back. So when we say that we're going to be listening and available, we potentially saying we're not available because I'm all booked up. If the Holy Spirit wants to just tell me now what he wants doing in July, I'll see if I have a window and I can do that. That's the big scent, but not the little scent. So Wendy's heading towards a big scent, but that doesn't mean that she's excused the little scent. Does that make sense? What about you? Are you excused? Are you just booked up? What about me? Am I too booked up? I, I challenge myself with this because sometimes I am, if I'm perfectly honest with you. And it's there. So there's the thing. Do we say, I'm sorry, I'm fully booked. I'm fully booked. It's too much. I can't do the little scent. I can only do the big scent. But here's the thing. This is our identity. Our identity is scent. Our identity is not booked. Johnson, our identity is sent. Our identity is not booked. We are available to the Holy Spirit. We are not in bondage to anything, are we? Not if we're sent, we're not. It takes a lot of discernment. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make anybody have a hard time here. It takes a lot of discernment to know sometimes when you need to drop something to do what the Holy Spirit is promising. We have to, the more we listen to the Holy Spirit, the more we learn about Jesus, the more we understand that. But the more we will behave as though we are properly sent people. Okay, so in that sense, this is God's promise. It says that he will keep us from harm. He'll watch over our lives. He'll watch over our coming and our going. He'll watch it over now. He'll watch it over later. He knows your diary. He can cover it. How sent are we? How open to being sent are we? That's our identity. Our identity is sent to people. Whatever else we are, we are sent people. And that's the question. It's a big problem to find it in the right place. 
But what I'm suggesting to you here is that if we are going to live a missional lifestyle, then we need to follow one person and one person only, seven days a week, and that's Jesus. And we need to be available seven days a week. And we need to take salt and light for Jesus wherever we go. If you've got a job tomorrow, salt and light at your job tomorrow. If you're at school tomorrow, salt and light at school tomorrow. And then when you come home, salt and light. Why, why am I in this house? I'm here to be salt and light to my wife and my husband, my children, my parents, my neighbors. When I go on holiday, I'm on holiday to be salt and light. I'm not excused salt and light for two weeks while I absorb salt and light. It, that's no, that's, that's not the kind of recharging we're talking about. We are sent to be salt and light. You, you following me? Have I, have I labored it too far? I probably have gone on too long. I do apologize. So here's the question, and it's a simple one. What stops you being salt and light? What ties you up? What's got, what's got more priority for you? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm challenged by this all the time. Uh, and I have to keep adjusting. Adjusted this week, got it all wrong. I, this is not an unusual week for me, by the way. Um, I, I, it's not easy. I do not find this easy. But uh, embracing the concept that I am sent by Jesus, that's my identity, gives me something. Because ultimately, it leads me to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that we have an identity in Jesus. We have an identity in Jesus that makes us children of our Heavenly Father. It makes us friends and brothers with Jesus. It makes us people who hear the Holy Spirit and are able to do amazing things over and beyond. We can bless, we can associate, we can listen, we can learn, and we can know who we are because we are in Jesus. Lord, just challenge us. Challenge us to know who we are and just enable us to spend that time thinking and knowing what it is and where it is that we should be salt and light. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.